John, thanks a lot. Ruth, thank you. I know this has happened to all of you. We were coming home yesterday from uh, Farmington, and we were out on 160, and you know that first place, after you turn off the Hesperus Road, and the first place that there's a, a passing lane, this big black truck went by us, zoom. I was doing the speed limit at least, and he went, or the truck went zooming by me, just like to blew me off the road. And uh, got up there, and then we got up there to the place where the road narrows down and you can't pass. And I got up there, and I pulled up right up behind it, and it was doing 50 miles an hour on the, on the road. And, you know, I have my wife there in the car with me, so I don't say anything. I don't curse or anything like that. Don't want to be a bad example. It opens up where I can pass again. I start around it, and guess what the person in that truck was doing? Talking on their cell phone. She had it right here in front of her between her and the steering wheel, and she was talking on it, just piddling along on the on the um, on the highway. I, I know that's happened to you too. And they're starting to tell us about the, the dangers of trying to task, to text and drive or talk on the phone and drive. They call it distracted driving. Do you know that over the last five or six years, an average of 4,000 people a year have been killed by a driver who was distracted while they were driving? And over 400,000 people have been involved in a crash that involved a distracted driver. You know why that is? And I'm guilty too. We think we can do two things at one time. We think we can multitask. Uh, researchers at Stanford wanted to study about why some people could multitask and some people couldn't because... You know, there are some people who think they can do two things at one time. And so why, did they, why can they do two things at one time and multitask and others don't? What gives those people the ability to double focus? And you know what the, the, the study discovered? The people who think they can multitask are lying. <laughs> and nobody can do it. You, you just can't do it. You think you're effective at juggling multiple tasks, but actually they're pretty lousy at it. Here's some of the things they discovered. Heavy multitaskers, people who try to do two things at one time, are suckers, and that's their word, not mine, for distraction and for irrelevancy. Everything distracts them. Multitaskers are more unorganized in their ability to keep and retrieve information. They're worse at the main thing that defines multitasking, switching from one task to the other. Heavy multitaskers, people who try to multitask, underperform in almost every area of the study. And so here was the advice out of that article. By doing less, you might accomplish more. In other words, 
Instead of trying to do two things at once, if you'll just do one thing at a time, you'll accomplish more. Or, as I'm going to put it this morning, if you will focus, you'll be more successful. If you'll keep your focus. You know, in reacting to that study, uh, I found the study, and then I started looking at what some of the different news organizations said about the study. ABC said this, Multitasking takes up your time. In other words, you're wasting time if you think you're multitasking. CBS said, multitasking is killing your productivity. And Entrepreneur Magazine said it this way. I like this. Multitasking is a myth that's breaking your brain and wasting your time. The Apostle Paul wrote those two little letters to Timothy, a young man who he was mentoring and who was following in his footsteps. And in the letters that he wrote, he is encouraging Timothy in his spiritual growth. He's encouraging him to grow as a spiritual person, as a spiritual man. And we've been looking at some of the things that he taught Timothy or that he was taking and uh, sharing with Timothy. And and here are the three that we've looked at already, okay? Keep going. Don't give up. Keep growing. Don't slow down. Keep praying. That's what's important. And today we're going to look at a fourth key that he gives him, and that is keep focused. Keep focused on what it is you're supposed to be about. And a key to spiritual growth is learning to focus on the things that matter. Paul said to Timothy in this passage, in these letters, keep your focus in the right place. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. I'm going to read through verse 11. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, and for this we labor and strive that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, and especially of those who believe, command and teach these things. Father, I pray you add your blessing to the reading of your word. Teach us this morning about focusing on you and focusing on being godly people. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep focused. Keep focused. The first thing he mentions is doctrine. Be sure you're focused on good doctrine. Be sure you're focused on strong doctrine. And he gives a warning about an unsound doctrine or being identified with an unsound doctrine. You know, I know that a lot of times in today's world and today's church even, people don't want to talk about doctrine. They don't like doctrine. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody say, well, you know, I like Jesus, but I don't like doctrine. Well, you know, if, if you don't like doctrine, you don't know what doctrine means. Doctrine simply means the teaching. 
the teaching, the things that, that you're being taught. And there are some teachings that are important to understand. And we need to focus on those good teachings. And then Paul lists some kinds of unsound doctrine for Timothy. <clears throat> In verse 7, he, he talks about myths. He says, don't have anything to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. And that's the same as the warning he gave back in chapter 1 and verse 4 when he says, you know, don't pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. And then he talks about supervisions. He says, I mean, superstitions. He says, avoid controversial questions and disputes about words out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, and evil suspensions. Uh, he talks in... Uh, Chapter, in the second Timothy, he talks in chapter 2, verse 16, about empty talk or gossip. He says, he says don't pay attention to all those things. In verse 6, I mean, in chapter 6 and verse 20, he says, avoid pseudo-knowledge or false knowledge. You know, we thought fake news was something new that just came around. But Paul tells Timothy, don't get involved in that fake stuff. Don't pop, don't pay attention to all that fake stuff that's going on. Remember, a couple of uh, about a year or so ago, we we did a series on the things that Christians believe that aren't true. You know, there, there are a lot of those things. They're just myths. They're just just endless things that we hear, but we don't focus on God's word and see what God's word has to say, and so we're not uh, pay, paying attention to God. We're not focusing on God. Reliance on genealogy was a real problem in Paul's time. And, and the reason is because Jews were very concerned that they were children of Abraham. And so everyone, every, every Jewish person could show you his genealogy all the way back to show where he was a, a child of Abraham. You know, but remember what Jesus said? Jesus told them, hey, God is able to raise these stones up to children of Abraham. It's, your genealogy is not important. What's important, Paul says, is where your spiritual faith is. What, what's your genealogy spiritually? That's much more important than your, than your genealogy physically. And, and there are a lot of things that, that happen to us when we, when we get to, to believing and thinking false doctrine and or paying attention to myths, um, if you believe in a, if you believe a myth, and all of a sudden it's destroyed, it fosters doubt in you. Well, what else isn't true that that I think I know? Uh, a lot of times the false things. That, that we focus on that are not scriptural, uh, sidetrack us into pursuits that are not godly. They're not building us in, in godliness. Uh, unsound doctrine can lead to immorality. And Paul just talks about it, produces envy and suspicion and arguments and divisions and truths. Paul says, don't listen to those things. Don't pay attention to those things. And then in verse 6, he put it this way. He says, You will be a good minister if you're brought up in the truths of the faith and the good teaching 
that you have followed. So be involved. Earn the, 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 the good doctrine, the sound doctrine. How do you know doctrine is sound? You know, that's a good question. I can, I can stand up here and stomp and spit and say, stay with strong doctrine, stay with strong doctrine. How do you know a doctrine is sound? What's the first thing you got to know? You know, Neil already said it. Of course, everybody couldn't hear you, Neil. In the Bible. It's in the Bible. You know, it's got to be biblical. You know, and not only does it have to be biblical, but, but and I think this is key, it doesn't rely on an outside authority to prove it. Okay? God's word is, is plenty. You know, there, there are a lot of other things that try to tell you what the Bible says. An extra biblical book or a prophet or a seer of some kind or a sage. You know, the, the, uh, there, there are a lot of ways that people try to lead you to believe the Bible's something that it doesn't believe. Paul says to Timothy, keep focused. Keep focused on good doctrine and strong teaching. You know, we have now had somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,000 years of Christian history and of doctrine. And almost all of our doctrine has a history. You need to know what does history say about that doctrine. I, I think I can guarantee you that nobody's going to come up with a new doctrine after 2,000 years. If something new comes up, that doesn't have a history to it, they're, they're probably blowing smoke. They're probably not, it's probably not strong doctrine. And so don't get caught focusing on those doctrines. Uh, don't get caught focusing on minor things. You know, one thing about cults is cults are always majoring on minor things. Keep your focus on the main thing. I learned in seminary, I, Put it on my door when I was a pastor. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That's what we're about. Keep focused. Keep remembering what the main thing is all about. Don't, don't, get, don't get drawn. Don't, don't think you can multitask. You can't multitask. You've got to keep focused on the same thing. And so Paul says it this way. He's... <clears throat> Physical training is of some value, he says. But godliness has value for all things. Keep focused on godliness. It has value for the present life and the life to come. You know, keep focused on sound doctrine. Keep focused on godliness. You know, when he uses the word godliness, do you know this word that's used there? It only appears 15 times in the whole Bible. And nine of those times are in 1 Timothy. And one of them is in 2 Timothy. So 10 out of 15 times, two-thirds of the time that the word godliness is found in the Bible, it's where Paul is writing to Timothy. And he's saying to Timothy, keep focusing on godliness, on being godly. He says we should work out for God. Practice makes perfect. Just like you 
I better back up. Just like you ought to exercise to keep your your body in shape. You should exercise to keep your spirit in in shape. Exercise work perfect. We should work out for God. We, we talked about that some time back. We talked about spiritual growth and keys to spiritual growth and training for spiritual growth. And the Bible calls those disciplines, spiritual disciplines, practicing spiritual disciplines to exercise yourself and grace. Because there's no such thing as a miracle grow Christian. There's nothing you can buy down at Walmart to sprinkle on your life and become a, a, a strong Christian. You have to work out. You have to train. You have to read. You have to pray. You have to practice spiritual disciplines. And, and Paul says that to Timothy. He says, on the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit. But godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So how do we practice godliness? How do you discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness? How do you exercise for godliness? Well, there, there, there are spiritual disciplines that you practice. Uh, you know, prayer, meditation, worship, Bible study, spending time with God, reading God's word. You know, those are things that we prepare to prepare that we do to prepare ourselves for eternity. But they're also of some value in this time, in this day, and in this age. And that's what Paul's saying. And, and when we talk about spiritual disciplines, and here, here's, here's what I said to you over and over and over and over when we were talking about those, spiritual disciplines are not laws you have to keep. You don't do them to get to heaven. I want somebody to repeat that, okay? Repeat that out loud to me. You don't do these to get to heaven. You can go to heaven and never practice a one. Why? Because what determines whether or not you go to heaven is your relationship to Jesus Christ. Have you invited Jesus Christ into your life to be your Lord and Savior? And so you can ignore all the spiritual disciplines and still go to heaven. Maybe even you can still be happy on earth. But if you want to be prepared for heaven, you got to focus on godliness. You have to prepare yourself on godliness. You can't ignore them and be trained for heaven. But then Paul says they're also good for the here and now. And then Paul says to Timothy, and it's something that that we just, just need to recognize and that godliness, there are a lot of things that we look at and think about being godly or think about godly actions and godly things. Um, and in today's standards, in today's culture, um, godliness is sometimes defined by a different standard. You know, just, just depending on where you're standing and, and where you're looking for, you know, the, and the, there are some who believe that godliness is determined by what kinds of people you accept or what kind of things that you accept, uh, what kind of things that you, you uh, let slide. So you would be godly 
if you included all people in your definition of what it means to be a Christian. And that's becoming real, real uh, popular right now that, you know, you can't tell anybody that, that what you're doing is not godly. You just, you want to accept everybody. You want to be open and acceptable. And so people who are open and accept everybody must be godly people. And they define godliness that way. Now that probably didn't define many of us. But I'm going to step on your toes a minute too. Because there are others who define godliness by what people exclude. In other words, you're godly if you don't do certain things. You're godly if you don't and I'm not even going to list the things you don't do to be godly because we all have our own list. Okay? But folks, godliness isn't defined by what you do or what you don't do. Godliness is related to your, or is rooted in your relationship to Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you follow Jesus Christ? Do you love Jesus Christ? Is He your Savior? In 1 Timothy 3.16 he, he explains that. Now, we didn't read 3.16. We read in chapter 4. But you go back and you read in verse chapter 3 and verse 16. And, and Paul says this. The mystery of godliness is great. Beyond all question. The mystery of godliness is great, he said. And then he tells what it is. He appeared in a body was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. What did he just describe? Jesus Christ. That's where godliness is. It's in our relationship to Jesus Christ. The mystery of godliness is that we believe in Jesus Christ as Lord. And don't ever let that get out of focus. I let that get out of focus in my own life sometimes. And you do too. We think other things. And we get involved with other things. And we, and we, and we look at people in relation to other things. But folks, understand this. Godliness is related to a relationship to Jesus Christ. And that's where it's at. What is your relationship to Jesus Christ? Keep focusing on Jesus Christ. Anybody ever try to multitask and do something else while they're focusing on Christ? Every mother, that's what you have to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> if you're a mom, you're multitasking. If you're mom, you're multitasking. <laughs> have eyes in the back of your head, don't you, mom? And then Paul says to Timothy, one of the reasons this is important, it's important for your life, but one of the reasons it's really important is so that you can declare your faith to others, so that others will see your relationship to Christ. You know, several times in these letters, and I, I think we've mentioned it once in every, in every message, Paul has talked to Timothy about his responsibility to share his faith with others. And uh, in 
the passage that we just read, we stopped at verse 7, I think. In verse 16 of that passage, he says, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now he's talking to, he's talking to Timothy as a pastor. And he's saying, if you'll pay attention to those things, those who are listening to you as you teach and preach, they also will come to a relationship in Jesus Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3, he says, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle, and I am telling the truth, I am not lying. You know, Paul says, you know, God desires all people to come to faith in Jesus Christ, to know Jesus Christ. In chapter 4, in verse 10, he says, For this we labor and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things, he says to Timothy. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says this, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. So Paul just says over and over to Timothy as he's going through there, Keep focused on your faith in Christ Jesus. Keep focused on your faith in Christ Jesus. Keep focused on believing in Jesus Christ. He is your Lord and Savior. I read a really interesting article the other day. It came out of Florida. It was a conservation group in Florida and they were trying to save an a endangered snake species, a milk snake is what they call it. I don't even know what a milk snake is. But uh, they, they were gathering milk snake eggs, and then they were incubating milk snake eggs in order to, to grow these uh, milk snakes. snakes. And uh, one, of the, one of the snake eggs, when it hatched, this milk snake came out and it had two heads. It only had one body, one long skinny body, but it had two heads. And uh, they did some research with it and everything. They discovered that the snake had two heads and he had four eyes and he had two brains. But those brains, that, those two brains commanded one body. And as they were talking about it, they said... You know, this is one that we'll never be able to release into the wild because it wouldn't be able to survive in the wild. And I, and I got to think, well, think about it for a minute. Of course it couldn't survive. You know, two independent brains, they would have an argument over every decision. 
If they disagreed while they were trying to go somewhere and they just disagreed and went different ways, one head would go this way, the other head would go this way, and they'd get stuck on a branch and, and they couldn't go. Um, they'd be laying in wait to attack prey and somehow or another they wouldn't be able to time it at the same time and one would take out to attack and the other one would be sitting there still looking. They'd never be able to catch anything to eat. And if they did catch something to eat, how are they going to decide which one gets to eat it? <laughs> Even though both goes to the same stomach. It would just be difficult to live with two minds in one body. Would you agree? It would be tough to live in the world, you know, with two minds and one body. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy. Timothy, keep focused. Keep focused. Keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus Christ. In, in the book of James, James put it this way. He said, a person with a double mind is unstable in every way. A double-minded man, a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. Without a clear direction, a double-minded person is never sure about the right decision to make regarding almost every issue. And it's hard to live that way. Better to be like Paul says, one overriding goal, and that goal is living for Jesus. That's what we're saying a minute ago. Living for Jesus in all that I do. My life is designed one focus, living for Jesus Christ. In another letter Paul wrote, he said this. He says, there's one goal, not that I've already reached that goal. I, you know, I'm not already fully mature, he says. But I make every effort to take hold of that goal because I have also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. So keep going, keep growing, keep praying, and keep focused. That's what Paul is telling young Timothy. And one of the key aspects of the first three is learning to focus on what really matters. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you teach us and help us to know and learn and practice being focused on Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. God to show us where we need to focus most important. Single mind to focus on what you
How many of you recognize those words, but that's the first time you've heard the song? I guess I'm not, I guess I must be pretty much the only one. The, the words are familiar, but the song's not. Let's sing it one more time, could we? Sure. For my sake, the rest Psalm of you know it. Psalm 129, or 39, verse 139. 139. Where it comes yeah. Ready? Search me, O God, and know my See you. 